This is the TSN MMA Show with Aaron Bronstetter and Bazooka Joe Valtellini. Did Reyes get robbed? Can anyone beat Shevchenko? Texas judges remain consistently terrible. Is open scoring the answer? Who should face Jones next? And we are joined by Corey Anderson, who might be that guy, actually. Diego Sanchez and the James Krause. Thanks to those listening on TSN Radio in Toronto and Ottawa. Or to the podcast, please tell your friends, review the show, subscribe. We appreciate any listener feedback you may have. Hit us up on Twitter, at Aaron Bronstetter and at Bazooka Joe V. I will respond faster guaranteed than Joe will, but that's, Joe will do it That's a faster. very good guarantee. Yeah. Yeah, that's something we can definitely guarantee. Unless you send a message at like 1 a.m., then maybe Joe might. Maybe. Be. We'll see. We'll are you, see. You're a I'm late more of an night Instagram. Guy? No. I go to bed early. Oh, do you? Never mind then. I'm pretty early. What time are you in bed? Uh, I can't stay up past 12 anymore. I would say by 10 o'clock, I'm on the couch. I'm, I'm done. Because the time I get home from my coaching it's, and teaching and training, it's 8.30. The time I start putting my stuff away, put a load of laundry in, put things away, it's... Time for bed. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I can't stay up. And you have kids, so you're probably sleeping. I'm going to bed at like 11, 11.30 these days. And I, I wake up, average. I set an alarm for about 6. 6, I'm yeah. up at 6 every morning, yeah. I'm, I wake I, up before the kids now. For me, yeah, really. I need my errand time. I wake up and I... That's your time, I then. check my email. What about at night, though? I'm sure you get some time at night. Yeah, I, I usually watch TV with my wife or I clean the kitchen. Yeah, I do a lot of cleaning because, we, cleaning. Uh, like you said, kids. Yeah. It's a lot Finally. of mess. A lot yeah, of mess. Yeah, yeah. But I'm clean. Like, every night I clean, I walk the dog... Nice. And uh, then I, whatever time is left, it's usually like an hour, an hour and a half, I watch the TV with And then wife. fall asleep on the couch yeah. a lot of times. Because the baby's not napping twice anymore. She naps once now and is in bed asleep by like 8 o'clock, which yeah. is much better than being asleep at 11 like she was for some time. Yeah, I try to get up, even though I don't have really, my mornings are almost, uh, they're not free, but I don't have to rush out the door like most people do. So, But I still get up at 7 o'clock every day. I, I, I'm, a, I'm a routine guy. I need, I need things laid out. I need it to be consistent. I need to happen every day. So... I mean, I fast every morning to my coffee to lately I've been just um, because I'm trying to stay off my phone in the mornings a lot. So um, I've been doing Sudoku puzzles just to kind of, uh, you know what it is? In the morning, I find it's it's nice to get my brain working right away. You have Forest on your phone? No. So Forest is, uh, it's an app and they're not an advertiser on the show. I'll just prepare by saying that. So they're an app basically where you like plant a forest of trees. And in order to plant the tree, you have to like put your phone away for an allotted, you like oh, say forty five okay. minutes, an hour, and then you can't like touch your your, your tree will die if you go on your phone. I don't know, I don't know. Sudoku works for me. Yeah, okay. Well, there you <laughs> it go. makes me think. It makes me gets my brain working. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, the older you get, you want to keep your brain sharp. And the fact that I don't work as a teacher anymore, which we were just talking about, I don't really stimulate my mind as much as I would like to. I mean, I don't really, I don't go to school anymore. I don't learn. I don't have to write things. I don't have to do curriculum planning anymore. So all that stuff's gone. I still do it for my kickboxing, but it's all in my head. So it's nice to kind of have that routine. From Sudoku puzzles, I I try to read at least 30 minutes. There you Um, go. I try to do that. Um, You're an evolved human, Joe. I'm trying. I'm trying. And then I do my yoga. So it all (laughs) has to. Like, I'm all that planned. That's how crazy I am. From like 30 minutes Sudoku right into reading to 30 minutes of yoga. Then I have to make sure before I go to train I have my two liters of water. I'm OC, OC Joe will call me. Like I have to have routine. So that's why when I travel and stuff, like it's I'm all messed up, messed yeah, up and I don't come sleep back well. And, up, yeah. and then I'm all messed up. So I like routine. And I think I always tell people routine is the key to success in life, I find. If you're all over the place, you're scattered brain. I think a lot of those books that I've read, like the Tools of the Titans and all these I was going to say, a lot things, of these self-help books. Yeah, they're all about they're, routine. Yeah. So it you works know, for me. You know about that? Uh, I'm going to recommend another app you're not going to use. But uh, there's an well, app. I forget what it's water called. Water app. Food, N- no, water. I forget what it's called. But it's uh, basically what it does is it takes like a bunch of those self-help books 
and puts okay. them into podcast form so you can listen to like a full book in 30 oh, minutes. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Saw, I saw that. Yeah, it's, I thought it's quite good. Yeah. I actually thought Again, about that. Again, not a paid advertiser on the show yeah. because I don't remember the name of them you also. You can get through so many books because a lot of books are fillers. It's like 500 page. And yeah, like, they, they give you the meat yeah. of the book. Someone was telling me, I was reading about speed reading once. And there's actual tricks you can do. Like, usually at the end of each chapter, they'll summarize the chapter. So you can just go right to the end of the chapter, read the last page or two, and you basically understand what happened in the chapter. So if you can just... I mean, it's not, that's not the whole fun You miss of, all the examples and the stories. I know, the million things. But uh, I think if you want to just gather as much information as fast as possible, I think that's your way. But reading needs to be enjoyable. I'm trying to enjoy it. I'm not trying to make it work. So I'm trying to find different things and books to read. So it's fun. Trying. All right, so... Let's get uh, down to brass tacks, as they say. How do you score the main event of this Ooh, past weekend's right UFC 247 we card? We've been warming up. Dominic Reyes, John Jones. Um, I think I'm with the consensus to say that watching it live, um, I gave the first three to Reyes. I think um, I just saw him. I know John Jones was pressuring. I just thought, you know, the. Uh, the effective striking of Reyes in those first three rounds gave it to him. And I, I don't think I had it the same way. I felt exactly the same way yeah. as you, actually. I, again, four and five, I don't think anybody's questioning. Um, but what's bothering me about this is the don't leave it to the judges comments I'm hearing. I'm just like, oh, it's a world title fight. Do you think we want to leave it to the yeah. judges' hands? You think Dom- yeah, Dominic so Reyes is like, I could stop Jones in this yeah. round, but maybe I won't. But, okay, I'm going to tell you a big but what I did not like about Reyes, and it, and it kind of really pissed me off. Um, you're in a world title situation. It's, you think you won the first two rounds. It doesn't matter. There's last 30 seconds of this fight, you ran I just think he was tired. Th- I don't care. I don't care. Watch me against Nikki Holtzkin. I was tired. I was beat up. I fought twice in one night. It was too close for me not to try to go for that last 10, 20 seconds to try to win the fight. This is your world title. You're about to beat one of the greatest of all time in that last 30 seconds. My man, you fight. You fight. You leave it in there. You dig deep. You go for it. I don't care if you thought you were up three rounds. Look what happened now. That could have been the difference if you laid it all out there. You never know. I mean, he just kind of ran away and started cheering. You don't run like that at the end. I don't know. It was too close for me, and it kind of bothered me that he did that. Yeah, I think that he was playing it safe, and that's, again, why you don't leave it to the judges is because uh, you should never assume how they're going to score a fight, especially in the state of Texas. The state of Texas has notoriously bad judging uh, and uh, not a great commission, and... I mean, that showed over the weekend. The judges was were horrible. Yeah. And I just don't know how... I mean, I know how to fix it. You get better judges in there. But, I, I mean, it's easier said than done. But I don't know how they let these kind of, like, local judges, like, be yeah. in charge of these main events. It makes no sense to me. I think that's just been the big story of the weekend. It kind of ruined the weekend a little bit, you know, with with this bad judge. Well, they were the story. The judges yeah. should never be the story. If the judges were the story, they obviously did something wrong. Yeah. You don't you're never you're not the story for doing something right because if you do something right, you're doing your job. Yeah. What's your another comment I hate. Um I mean, I don't I understand what people say it. You have to, you know, really beat the champion to take the belt. What's your thoughts on that? No, I'm I'm not with that. I think that's uh that doesn't apply to MMA. I agree. Because uh, it bothers me. Well, how how about this? If you win three rounds, you've beaten the champ. Yeah, you have. So you do yeah. have to beat the champ so in order to become beat the champ. Three out of five rounds. You don't need to stop them, but if yeah. you if you beat them for three out of five rounds, like you just yeah. mentioned, or have a ten eight or whatever, and it's hard. You think it's easy to hit John Jones? No, you have to systematically do it, break it down slowly, systematically. It's not that easy. Well, here's the other thing: a ref needs to man up 
and when they see Jones with his fingertips out, get, take a point. Give yeah. him one warning, and then you take a point every time. Because there's no way he's going to change that if he's not penalized for it. Yeah. Never. And I wouldn't either if I was him. I don't blame him at all. Yeah. And I don't think he's a dirty fighter or whatever. I think that if you're, if you're doing that, you're, you know you're taking a risk that you could lose a point. But, like, unless you take the point, yeah. he's going to keep doing it, and he should keep doing it. Yeah, and, if, and if he pokes someone in the eye... You know, that's just that's the result of the referees not taking action against. Them. But did you think that was an issue in this fight? Uh, it was warned three times. Yeah, there shouldn't be three warnings. There should be one warning. Say, I'm going to take a point next time, and then see if he see if he keeps his fingers out. And if he does, you take a point. Yeah, you stop the fight and you take a point what, because Rogan wasn't talking about it much, were they? No, but he he was. I mean, Rogan had his narrative for that fight, yeah. which was that Reyes was winning, but. Um, yeah, the fingertips were out, as they always are for John. And Dominic said he spoke to the officials before the fight to say, like, listen, when this guy has his fingers out, mm-hmm. you know, you gotta, you have to do something about it. But Because it makes you hesitant, because you don't want to get poked in the eye. Nobody wants to yeah, get poked in the eye. For sure. I don't care how tough you are. Um, so I think that that is something that if, you know, if the judges would just man up and take, take a point away when the guy does it, he's not going to be champion anymore. Yeah, especially championship fights, they're scared to do it, right? Yeah, for sure. Because what happens if you're in a five-round fight and you get poked in the eye in the first? Yeah. Even if the, if the ref does take a point, yeah. you're still going to be compromised. Even low blows, when you're fighting a, a, a southpaw versus orthodox, the low blows almost there all the time, and they should know that. One warning for a low blow, boom, second one, even yeah. if it's a mistake, point gone right away. If you've ever been kicked really hard between the legs, that gasses you. Yeah. If you got to fight five rounds or three rounds when you just got hit in the beginning of the fight, you have no gas tank anymore. Mm-hmm. Points have to be taken. Well, the judges, the judging was so bad that nobody talked about the refereeing, and I don't think it's necessarily bad refereeing. But what I do think is, if this has been a narrative throughout Jones's entire career, which it has been, you need to make a statement early. Yeah. Even if people boo you at the ref, if you give him a warning and he does it again, you take a point. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm surrounded by a lot of the top kickboxing referees, and there's fighters in glory that clinch a lot. No questions asked. You're not allowed to clinch more than three seconds. If you do clinch, you got to have an active clinch. You got to throw knees. You got to strike. You got to break. But there's a few of the Thai fighters who don't do it. Mm-hmm. So those referees who are assigned to that fight. Like, I've talked to them. They make sure. They send them something in written writing saying these are the rules, highlighted. They have gone again before the fight to tell them this is what it is. So after those two, three warnings, because a lot of times, like, they were giving a, a point deduction. Like, why is he giving the point deduction so fast? But he's warned them already in writing. He's verbally talked to them. They both agreed with a translator, and he did it. So mm-hmm. I kind of like that because he was warned two, three times before he even went into the fight. And I mean, you need that. Even my guy Petch, he likes to clinch a lot. That's who I was talking about. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, like, I love Petch. Yeah. But and one of my favorite fighters to watch. But like in that last fight, especially in the last round when he knew he had it, he yeah. was just clinching and Yeah, and the fight the when he out. fought Kevin before, he got yeah. deducted two points for clinching. Yeah. So, I mean, that's who I was kind of talking about. Kevin... You know, tends to clinch a little bit too in that fight. So I mean, yeah, it was, Kevin did clinch a lot. Yeah, so it was a messy fight, but the referee assigned to that had to make sure from the beginning that they keep, you know, keep on top. of I things. thought that Vano Strand in that first round kind of showed how you can beat Patch, and then he just kind of strayed from it, yeah. ran, yeah. Out of, ran out of energy. It ended up being and, a draw, but that was because of the point. Was that, was that a draw? Yeah. That last one, a majority draw. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. I thought Patch won that one. Um, but open scoring is yes, something that yes. you guys have in glory. Yeah, and you said you didn't like it. I hate it. Why? Okay, so let me run down the... Well, first let me take an example. Let's take Jones versus Reyes from this weekend, and we've got open scoring now. Okay. So I'll give you two fights, actually, from this weekend. So we'll start with Jones versus Reyes. Going into the fifth round, it would be um, 
39-36 Jones? What did he get? He got 49-46 was one of the... One yeah. of them gave four to one. Yeah. yeah. So basically he was up, he was up uh, three to one going to the fifth. Yeah. And then the other, the other judges were a draw. They were 38-38. So it would have been 39-37 actually, Jones. Um, so um, knowing that in the fifth and knowing how tired Dominic Reyes is at that point in time, the fight's over. Yeah. Like, there's not a point of watching the fifth round at that point in time. If you know that Jones, if he wins that round, is going to win the fight, it takes all the air and energy out of the building because there's no suspense. Yeah, but the suspense would be Dominic Reyes is down. Instead of running for the last 30 seconds like he did, he yeah, should have been John, on his mouth But then John plays fought. it safe, and John lands a takedown and sits on top but of But that's him. what happened anyways. Yeah, sure. It happened anyways. Jones knew he had to win that round. Yeah. Well, I mean, he thought he had to win where Reyes started running because he thought he won already. Yeah. So it kind of really, it would have just been the opposite. But open you know, scoring takes reverse. the whole suspense out of what that decision is. When that decision's read, everybody's like, oh, I don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And I think that's a, a vital part of MMA. And yeah. then the other one. But for, for who? The crowd, right? For the crowd and the viewers at home. Exactly. Which kind of bothers me because we're catering that to the audience. When If you probably ask most of the fighters, they probably want to know. Of course they want to know. But I don't think that that's conducive to the sport. It's never been part of the sport. I don't think it's bad, though. I don't think it's really bad. So let me give you another example. Then. Okay. So James Krause versus Trevin Giles. Yes. One ref that gave was ridiculous. Giles the yes. first round. If you're in the corner and you see that Giles won, a, won the round when you had his Panic. back for four minutes, like, your head is out of the fight now. I don't care how mentally strong you are. Yeah. All you're going to be thinking is, like, what, more, what else am I going to have to do to beat this guy? I just, I just had his back for four rounds. I had him in a choke that he almost tapped mm-hmm. to. Like, can you imagine? Your, imagine you beat the hell out of somebody for one round. There's open scoring, and they give that round to your opponent. I know you're mentally strong, but I also know how yeah. pissed off you get about oh, stuff for like sure. that. Absolutely, you would be furious. Yeah, but at least he knows now that he has to do more in that third round, so we might it, get a little bit but more. But it, it's aggression. taking him out of the fight. Like he could have been like, okay, I'm winning this third round in his head, being like, well, I'm not going to take a chance. I'm just going to lay on top of him now for the last three minutes to kind of steal that round. But if he was down, we would have started seeing elbows, ground and pound, punching, you know, more action to kind of get the fight going. He's like, he got screwed anyway, so at least he knows he was getting screwed before, and he had a chance to do something about it. Mm-hmm. That's the other argument. But I still think the the worst thing about open scoring is that it loses the excitement for the people watching. Yeah. As a commentator, I love it because it takes the pressure away from me yeah, you don't have to, to, have like, to call yeah, it, you, which I love, yeah. which I like. But even asking the fighters, because a lot of times with the open scoring and glory, it's not played to the audience in the stadium, but it's played to people watching at home, mm-hmm. which is kind of cool, too, because at least people watching, but I think it's one a of the fun, different. Like part of the fun of MMA is you score the rounds, and you're like, ah, oh, this is how I have yeah. it. Ah, oh, my guy didn't win. Like I think that if you see what the score is after one round— you're gonna, people are going to start debating it. It's going to be even worse than it is now in terms of bad judging because if there's a bad card, everybody's going to be freaking out. Not to mention, and Ariel Hawani raised this point, and I think it's a good one. Because he's all for open scoring. Well, I mean, he, he did raise this point, and he said that if you're that judge, like let's say you're that Joe Solis guy who um, scored the first round for Giles, and you see the other two judges scored it for Krause, you might try to cr- overcorrect the steering wheel and give around to Krause that you think Giles actually won because you don't want to look like a moron. Yeah, because the way the glory scoring is, it's it's based on judge one, two, three, four, five. And we have five judges in glory, which also something that the UFC can do to kind of mm-hmm. improve. Because, I mean, if you had two other competent judges, 
a lot of these, you know, split decisions or they wouldn't go that way. So I think five would be a benefit as well. But it's you don't know the judge and the judge just touches it on an iPad. It goes to the production truck and then it doesn't give the name of the judge, which I don't know. I get it. I get both sides. I would personally, though, like I still don't know what the score in my Holtzkin fight was. I wish I knew. I wish I you knew. You probably ask the commission, couldn't you? Maybe. I don't know if they still have them. They probably keep it on record. Yeah. You want me to find out for you? Sure. Where'd you, where was that fight? Japan. Oh, <laughs> okay, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> you go to Japan, yeah. Glory probably was the commission for that event. <laughs> Glory knows? might have that information, Maybe, though. Yeah, I should ask them. Yeah. I don't know. I think that, I don't know. I couldn't even tell you. Well, that was the fifth round that it ended in? Uh, it was third. It was the third. Oh, yeah, because yeah, you were fighting twice. Two, I thought yeah. the Holskin won the first two rounds. Yeah. Maybe. Is that how you felt? No. I felt it was one apiece. I thought I won the I'd first. I have to go back and watch it, actually. I thought but I was, I think I I was more volume. I was landing more. You could have easily given me first two as okay. well. But I definitely, in my mind, won the first. It doesn't matter watching. My well, that's, co- why my thought, corner, that's why I thought you were like a bull in a china no, shop. I was like, oh, his corner must have told me. No, my, cor- my corner told me it was one round apiece. Win the round, you win the fight. Because okay. I, I thought I dominated the first. I was volume, my pressure, my activity. I was hitting him more. Uh, second round, I still felt I was pushing the pace more, landing more. And then third pace, uh, third round, he was getting me. So then that's when my corner said one round apiece. So I just listened to them. Mm-hmm. That's who I got to judge it on. Yeah. So then if it's one round apiece, he almost stopped me with a body shot. I got back up. So at that point, I had to go. Mm-hmm. So then, but in my oh, mind, oh. if I was Dominic oh, Reyes. That's, that's why. Sorry. That's why. Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, uh, I was trying to think back as to why you were uh, being so aggressive. It's because you got the body shot at the beginning of the third. I didn't drop, though. I didn't go down. Oh, so they didn't? No. You wouldn't have lost No, I almost. I, I dug deep not to. Mm-hmm. Like, I was so close. I to go he, back thought, he thought I went. I don't like I watching you lose, though. So yeah, I don't yeah, want, that's they, why I don't want to go back and watch. Maybe but I'll yeah. just go watch the first two rounds. Most, honestly, if you ask, you know, ten people, you know, five of them would say, you were winning the fight. Why would you do that? You ask some people, he's like, oh, you were losing the fight. Some people are like, I had it one apiece. So could have went either way. So it's judge interpretation. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I think open scoring, like you said, might take... In some instances, in the examples, it takes away the excitement. I think sometimes it builds the excitement at the mm-hmm. same time. So I think it's, it's at the end of the day, it's the balance. You're still going to get the balance. Well, I always say that the uh, scoring system in MMA is a broken system. I think yeah. that you're, you're putting a 10-9, a 10-point must system, which is you know conducive to boxing, which is 9 or 12 rounds, into a three-round fight, which I just think... It, it makes it impossible to score some of these fights accurately because you see a guy dominate someone for one round or at least definitively win a round, and then there's two close rounds and they lose that fight because whatever, they lost the two close mm. rounds on some judges' scorecards. Um, some people say pride judging, but I think the problem with pride judging is that people like the transparency of seeing how they scored each round. Mm-hmm. And if you judge the fight as a whole, there's also, I think, room for... I hate to say it, but there's room for like uh, fight fixing. Yeah, room for match fixing. Yeah, I can and, see that. And um, I don't, I don't think that that is a smart way to do it. I keep recommending the decimal system, which is basically the twenty point must system, but whatever, divided by two, or or a twenty point must system. But I think that if you ha- win a close round, it's ten to nine and a half. If you win yeah, a round, yeah, like if that. you clearly win a round, it's ten to nine. If you win a round and like maybe drop the guy or you ha- you do some pretty good damage, but it's not like a full ten eight, ten eight and a half. Yeah. And then there's a ten eight round, which is what a ten eight round is now. Absolutely. And they then ten seven and a half eights. if you're within. Yeah, I agree with it. And that way, you, I like it. You're almost making it more like it, it makes it harder for people to coast. Yeah. I also like um, they're doing it in kickboxing now. It's uh, cumulative scoring, so it's kind of like you might. For example, if you kind of if it's close for the first three rounds, and then all of a sudden 
like this Reyes uh, Jones fight, if you did all that damage in round four and five, based on cumulative scoring, John Jones won the fight mm-hmm. because you know the first round you give Reyes, second round I think some people were giving it to John Jones round two. But I, and even like because I, I, thought, I, I, I don't know how people could give Jones. I trust round. it, but I, I was listening to Kenny Florian talk about it. He, he rewatched it, and I think he gave John Jones. He says I understand why someone gave it four one to John Jones, and that's like I trust obviously Florian's opinion and his and his analyst. So for him to say it wasn't crazy after rewatching it, I have not rewatched it, so I can't you know confirm that. But I don't mind that cumulative scoring option as well. So like maybe you want to you know base it on each round, but at the end you kind of give like a cumulative score kind of thing. I don't know. That yeah. could kind of work. Maybe. Who um, knows? But I, 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 I just think, think there that, is an answer. I just think that the ten point must system needs to go in MMA. I don't think it makes sense. I think it makes more sense actually in a in a five round fight like Jones and uh, and Reyes because there's more rounds to score. But uh, even still, there was a margin of error because people thought that Reyes got robbed. I think the term robbery is, you can't yeah. use the term robbery. I just think case. it's complicated to give decimals and, and stuff. I don't think the judges now are competent to even deal with this system. Now now we're asking them, if someone gets dropped, is it a half? Is it a point? Half? Like, here's, we here's, just need more competent ex-fighters. I think, I think an ex-fighter would be perfect. Let, I let mean, me give you a good example of where the 10-9 must system failed. The rematch between Whitaker and Romero. Okay. I thought that the two rounds that Romero won were far more definitive than the three rounds that Whitaker won. Yeah, cumulative but, scoring. Yeah. He would have given it to Romero. Yeah. yeah. So I think that something just needs to change. Yeah. Cumulative scoring seems complicated, though. Well, at the end of the fight, you kind of... Well, if you gave, you know, Reyes won the first three, you had it. Jones won the first, last two. But those last two, he beat him up more than, you know, Reyes did in mm-hmm. those first three rounds. So... The fight, a fight, when you say fight, a fight is about who hurts the other person more. It's mm-hmm. not about who can hit and move. It's about damage. Well, about I mean, it depends damage. on if you want to consider it a sport. Well, based on the scoring, though, what's our scoring? Mm-hmm. First thing you can't lose with is knocking someone out. Yeah. If you want to win, knock someone out or as bad as them. Yeah. choke mm-hmm. them out, cut them with your elbows, and finish them as bad as you can. Then you can't win. So it, it is a sport based on damage, no matter how fun and fluffy and, and flowery we want to make it. You want to hurt the other person. You want to mm-hmm. cut them. You want to beat them. You want to make them unconscious. That's what you do. So that has to be a scoring value. And I think that has to be valued maybe more than just, you know, if someone lands 20 jabs, but I hit you with two shots and I bust your nose with two right hands, what did more damage, you know? Mm-hmm. The, I, the two big shots. I did my job as a journalist and reached out to, you the, always do. to the, the judge. Okay, <laughs> the, really? Joe Solis. And I, I chatted with him. To see if he But would... he wouldn't talk to me on the record. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Which I don't think it's fair because we allow it to be fair, but there should be he says an he needs, explanation. He says he needs the, com- the commission's permission. So I said, how do I go about getting that? He yeah. goes, no, I'm not going to talk to you anyways. Yeah. Pretty much. So that would have been nice if he would have gave it to you, though. But he says that he's like a lot of people are harassing him. Which For sure. I, I think is, uh, let's like... Let's be smart here, people. I mean, yeah. it's it's just this. It's it's a match. It's whatever. Yeah, it's a fight. but hey, I always talk about the uh, was it the Colombian soccer player who scored in his own net. Yeah, that's crazy. It means oh, the, a lot the more. Two Escobars. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy stuff. You man. don't harass people for something. <laughs> they do. It's enter- like it's. It, I know it's a sport, but it's also entertainment. Like, yeah. these, but for yeah. us, uh, the only one that should genuinely be pissed is Reyes and his team. Yeah, he probably or, or, lost or the, the bell or the to, managers and all yeah, that. Yeah, those are the only people. But I don't think they're harassing this judge. They're probably just like, <laughs> okay, well, it's game plan for the next one. Yeah. So, um, with Jones, who do you think? Like, I think that if you're the UFC and you purport that you make the fight that that the people want to see, you have to make the rematch right away. 
That's your pick. I think you have to make the rematch right away because I think there's unfinished questions, or sorry, unanswered questions, unfinished business. Instead of mixing those two together, I'll say them separately. Um, And I think that that's the fight people are more eager to see. Even though he lost, and he lost to the champion, this isn't a very deep division. I know we have Corey Anderson and uh, Jan Bojovic this weekend, Mm -hmm. and uh, if one of those guys wins decidedly and it looks good, you know, maybe you can change my mind. But right now, I just don't see what they could do to make Dominic Reyes not be the next person in line for a title shot. Like, I think that if, I think if you polled the general public and asked what percentage of them thought Jones won, what percentage of them thought Reyes won, you'd probably have at least 60% saying that they thought Reyes won that fight. Yeah, I would think so. So, I, I just don't see why. And and Texas messed it up. Like Texas, yeah. you can't hold a fight in Texas and take th- that judge, you know, that judging for what it's worth. So I think that um, personally, if I'm the UFC and I say that I make the fight that people want to see, that's mm-hmm. the fight people want to see. Yeah. Before I, I like, I mean, I have to re- really rewatch it to kind of get a good understanding. I really have to, just to kind of see how it went. But I also think when you fight someone who's the goat. And every time, I think your attention changes sometimes. And you kind of look at the the GOAT. We're going to call him the GOAT because that's what people call him. When he gets hit, we react more to it. Oh, my God, he got hit. Oh, oh my God, oh, my God, mm-hmm. oh, my God. And then you're like, eh. But even though he hit Reyes with a body shot, a low kick, you know, a front kick, oblique kick, and then all of a sudden he kind of stumbled back. Everyone loses their mind yeah. because, you know, this unbeatable person mm-hmm. just got hit. I so this, I think I we're the same thing. That. I said the same thing to Jones's manager backstage afterwards. Yeah. He said to me, how did you have it scored? I go, and I said it to him right away. I said, I had it scored 3-2 uh, to two for Reyes. I thought he won the first three. But I know that in these situations where yeah. you have somebody like Jones, people overcorrect the steering wheel because they see that the crowd's going crazy when Jones gets hit. Exactly. And everything that Reyes does is amplified and you, you stop watching Jones, you start watching what Reyes is yeah. doing. You stop watching what John's doing. I said, I need to go back and watch it. But, but I said, like, I, you know, believe me, I take that into account. And yeah. I think that the judges do, too. I think the judges know that they need to look at this fight with it and take the names and the faces out of it. But it's hard to do. Like, you're, these are human beings here, these judges. Yeah. And let's not forget, when someone's pressuring in a fight, it looks favorable. So when you're looking at a round that's close, and you looked and you saw John Jones always moving forward, mm-hmm. you give a slight edge. You yeah. may have forgot in the beginning of the round, Reyes hit him with 4-5, that recency effect, but at the end of the round, Jones was still pressuring. You saw Reyes at the end of the rounds get a little bit more fatigued. So, you know, that recency effect mixed with that, you know, the extra noise when he gets hit, it, I think there's a lot of factors and variables that in order to really give a good assessment you have to rewatch that mm-hmm. fight but even if you rewatch it i think this fight is close enough and i mean we're talking about john jones here, about, the greatest yeah. of all time i think it's close enough that you make a rematch because i think that reyes gave him a run for his money yeah looked great a lot of people thought he won if you remember i picked him two weeks ago i yep. looked very smart by doing that yeah um even though he lost, I mean, I got uh, messed up because I picked James. No, James you was picked another time. Yeah, Bechtick. He was in your parlay. He was the one who broke it. Yeah, you had you had two of the three. So we, you had Jones, I had Reyes, and we both lost. Yeah, there um, we go. But uh, everyone lost except for John Jones. Uh, but you don't think heavyweights the next move for him? Not now. I, I put it out there the day after the fight. I said if I learned anything from this fight, is that John's future is at light heavyweight, and the reason why I believe that's the case is because. When Jones became the champion, and really for a long time, this division was still catching up to becoming a complete division with 
mixed martial artists, not specialists. Like, yeah. look at look at the list of guys yeah, that that John has beaten. Almost all of them are specialists. Mm-hmm. The only ones that weren't were basically Gustafson, Cormier, and Reyes, yeah. who gave him a real tough time. I mean, John said that his three toughest fights. He told me this after the fight were Gustafson, Reyes, and sure. Thiago Santos. He said really? This, yeah, which surprised me because I thought the Cormier hit him pretty hard. But oh, yeah. I mean, John's chin is like. Yeah. It's undefeated. Like you oh, know, yeah. it's, he you can Very you can crack this guy. And the other thing about John is his resolve. Like he just will not mentally break during a fight. Yeah. And after eating those shots, I'm like, even me, like he was eating some of those shots, and I was like, why does his corner keep telling him to pressure? I wasn't understanding the call to continue to pressure. I was like, he should be staying long, pecking away, keeping better distance control, maybe pulling Reyes in because he's walking into things. But he continued to do it. Continued to eat big shots and. I mean, it was he's tough, man. Yeah, he's a he tough guy. He's definitely a he's definitely a champion. But it's kind of nice to see. This is where I think the heavyweight option is good for him because he broke GSP's record for most consecutive mm-hmm. title wins, yeah. right? And maybe he wants to widen the gap. Yeah, you know. But the, like you said, with this now, there's no really specialist. Everyone's good at everything now. But that's exactly it, right? So it's going to be hard to get and gather yeah. 18 consecutive 19 wins. Mm-hmm. So I think he's going to have that record probably for a while. When I saw Corey Anderson on The Ultimate Fighter, I thought to myself, this is the next generation of light heavyweights that's oh, going to yeah. challenge John Jones. He's got great boxing, great wrestling, yeah. great cardio. Like he, He's got a, a well-rounded game. And I think that a lot of these younger guys now are just, they're just going to keep catching up and catching up yeah. and gaining ground on John. I just personally think... Yes, Reyes deserves the fight, but I'm kind of over it. I'm a little over it as an excitement, as a fan. As a fan, I want, okay. I'd rather see but him go to if it got announced Steve again, Perry. you'd watch and you'd be excited oh, about I'd it. i watch all of them. Yeah, but you'd be I, I excited. Would, you wouldn't be not excited as about it, it? Not as excited as probably this time around. Would you be as excited? Like, So if you had to choose between Corey Anderson and John Jones or Reyes and John Jones, what are you picking? Because Steve Bay versus John Jones is not I just don't think Corey, I think Corey Anderson... Stylistically, is a fun fight. I just don't think he brings the trash, the talk, the outside entertainment. Mm-hmm. And Reyes doesn't really do that him. either. He, he did a little bit yeah. this time, but not great. He was more just reacting to what John was doing. Yeah. I, I, as a fan, I want excitement, so I would say heavyweight would be the most exciting for him. Mm-hmm. But I mean, if I had to pick one, you're right, probably Reyes. Seems yeah. to be exciting. I mean, if he moves up to heavyweight, I think a lot of people would be very happy about that, just because it's it's something new. Yeah. But again, I just think that Reyes. Reinvigorated this entire division because a lot of people think that Reyes now has what it takes to beat John Jones. And I also think it's going to depend on John Jones and how active he wants to be. Before this, if, if he felt good after this fight, I'm sure he wants to keep riding this momentum where the jump to heavyweight is going to probably take him a good six months to a year, probably, of not up. fighting. He mm-hmm. needs to put on size. He needs to get his strength up there. He needs to start working with some bigger boys. I mean, which he has the body frame well, people, to do it. People forget, though, the upside of John going up to heavyweight is low. Like, that's why he wants a lot more money to move up to heavyweight. Like, what's the upside of, for him? If you're yeah. John Jones, you put yourself in his position. People already consider him to be the greatest of all yeah. time. At least I just a think lot it's the, now it's becoming the excitement fights. There's no more exciting fights for him. I think he's going to lose some of that, you know, that excitement that he has. He wants, if he, if he wants to get that Connor. You know, those bigger events, he's going to have to fight bigger names to kind of Well, this event did well. I mean, here's the thing about Jones. Like, this event did not feel big during fight week. It felt like a fight night because when you compare it to the amount of media covering a Conor fight, I mean, it's it was that doesn't compare. But from a live gate perspective, it did really well. It mm. sold out the building. It was the highest gate in the history of that building. Really? Um, yeah. About what, 15,000? 
uh, in terms of people. Yeah, attendance. I think it was around there. It did a $3.3 million gate. And mm-hmm. the next best thing, the one that it beat, was $2.9 million. So it, by $400,000, it yeah. was the highest. Like, that's a lot of money. And I think that the uh, Jones is still a box office draw. Yeah, seems like it. I don't know how the pay-per-view did, and I don't think we'll ever know. But yeah. um, I think that Jones proved that he's still an attraction. Yeah. But, I mean, if now you put him against Stipe, that number probably doubles, you know? You don't think so? Oh, yeah, if probably. Yeah, that would be so. I mean, fun. those are the but ones Stipe you has want. Cormier, and now you're getting yeah. pay-per-view points. That's double your money. Like, I think that's what Jones yeah. wants. Maybe at the end of the year, I think he needs to beat Reyes again. I don't think that. Yeah. I don't think that that question should linger as to whether or not. I he think would. he should fight once or twice more. Mm-hmm. If if I was his manager, let's let's rack up a couple more wins here, get our size, get our strength, and then go. End of the year, like you said, could be a mm-hmm. nice time we'll or early next, next year. year. Yeah. yeah. But I, I, as a fan, says, I want to see Israel it. says he's going to fight Jones next year, so we'll see yeah. how that goes. He, he needs to beat Yoel Romero first. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves here. Um, Valentina Shevchenko. Can yeah. anybody beat her? I don't like. People got mad at me because right after that fight, I said they need to do Shevchenko-Nunez 3. Yeah. Because there's just nobody for either of these girls to face that is going to compete with them. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So I, that's, it's tough because I just think Nunez is too big, strong for her. And I don't think she'll be able to beat her. She's I, lost to her twice already, but mm-hmm. I mean... Is it better? Could she go down in weight? No, Nunez isn't going to cut. No, not uh, Shevchenko. Well, that's, a, that's a question people are asking is, can she do 115? I think it would... Like, she's pretty big. Like, I don't know. If she, I mean, if she fought at 135 and they had a 115 division, wouldn't she have wanted to cut back mm-hmm. down back then? She's beaten Yanjaychik before. I mean, Yanjaychik's not the champion anymore, but I know uh, Wei Li wants to move up to 125, but like, Wei Li hasn't defended her title yet. Yeah. Like, Let's not get ahead of ourselves. And Strawweight has a lot of contenders. Yeah, But that would be a fun fight, stylistically. Mm-hmm. Both great strikers. That would be fun. I'd yeah, like it. That would be a lot of fun. But uh, I think I just don't think that at 125, Shevchenko has anybody that has anything to offer. I just think it's hard right now in the women's division to make those big mega fights. Like, How can you give Shevchenko a, a mega fight anymore? You know, it's hard. Well, how many two-division champions have there been in women's MMA? One. Zero. Right. In the UFC? Is it Nunez? Oh, yeah, Nunez. Sorry. Yeah. Right. So Shevchenko's going to want to make that same kind of history. You would think so. I, 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 but it would... I, I don't really consider 145 to be a division, so that's why okay. I, I got stumped there. But oh, There you go. But down. But I, that's what I'm thinking. Maybe she'll go just for the title, you know, for a mm-hmm. nice title shot against, you know, who knows, whoever the, the strawweight champ is at the time. I don't know if she could make strawweight. I really don't. I don't think she could make it. Hmm. I think if she could make it, she would have done it already. True. I mean, right now, she says that she told me that her challenge, potential challengers were like Joanne Calderwood, um, Roxanne Modafferi, and Jennifer Maya. Like, yeah. I mean, like, what, are we, what are we talking yeah. about here? But again, no disrespect to those 0-3 girls. 0-3 against I mean, Nunez, and then what? If she loses then again. Then she's just right? the best. She's the runner-up. The best. She's the but second best we're saying it like it's bad. Oh, my God. Like, she yeah. just dominated the 125 division, you know? Mm. It's not a bad thing. I mean, I just think we're in that era. You're not the best unless you have two, three belts. Yeah. You know? But I think that if she beat Nunez, like now you can sell another fight. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, there's just true. not that much high level talent in, in the UFC women's divisions right now. Yeah. It's we've all straw weight. We've seen Yun, Yun the Jacek versus Shevchenko. Incredible, like, Yun Jacek versus Shevchenko was a super fight. We saw that. That was in Toronto. Yeah. So that was her moving up to 125. And I mean, Shevchenko clearly won that fight. Yeah. It's interesting. We'll see what they're going to do with her. So, uh, yeah, I, I personally think that they need to make that Nunez rematch just because I, I don't see what else is out there for either of them. Mm-hmm. I, I guess we'll know a little bit more at the end of February when we see Felicia Spencer in action. Uh, I think that Felicia Spencer, if she wins in the co-main event against um, Faria, I think is her name. I don't know. 
the, the girl that Megan Anderson just beat, mm-hmm. then you can do Nunez versus Spencer. And I actually think Nunez versus Spencer is a really interesting matchup. I do. I, I you know, I think that she'll offer Nunez looks that she hasn't seen before. So uh, that is an intriguing fight in my eyes. Mm-hmm. So what else do we have to talk about? We've got uh, a card coming up next weekend. Um, so before we discuss that, why don't we move over to our first guest, who's in the main event of that card in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, and that's Corey Anderson. Used to be beast in 25-8, now overtime. That's Corey Anderson. He joins us now on the TSN MMA Show. I'm joined by Corey Anderson, one of the top contenders in the light heavyweight division. When you're beast in 25-8, you are working overtime, and that's my man Corey Anderson. So, obviously the hot topic in the division right now, this weekend's card, Jones versus Reyes. How did you score it? I mean, it was a close fight. I mean, that's all I had to say. I knew at the end it could go either way. But not putting too much stock or thought into it, I got to worry about <clears throat> what I got ahead of me this weekend. You did say on Twitter that wasn't how you scored it, though. So uh, I'm, I'm curious. You must have had some sort of score. No, I knew it was going to be a close fight. But the 49-46, I don't think anybody had a 4-1 to round. I'm saying I knew it was going to be close, but I didn't think anybody dominated 4-1. to well, I'm probably barking up the wrong tree on this one, but do you think that that warrants an immediate uh, rematch for Dominic Reyes? Nah. I mean, it all depends. If it was going to be an immediate rematch, Dana would have said it right there. You know, now it just depends, I guess, what happened this weekend or what John decides to do. So. Yeah, he had mentioned that uh, he wanted to see how this coming weekend yourself and Jan Blachowicz uh, played out. Um, so that's got to leave you at least uh, with a feeling of some satisfaction knowing that you can earn this thing. I mean, I was satisfied from the get-go. I know what I can earn. I know what I can do. I've been doing it for years. Um, so I just got to go out there and do what I do and then let the rest play itself out. So watching Dominic have such success against Jones, did that help you notice even more holes that you hadn't seen previously? A hundred percent. I mean, he pretty much opened up a lot of things I already saw. And I've made up, like you said, now I can see a little bit more because I was actually the first person to put pressure on Jones and open up things. So I definitely have a better visual of what can happen now. You face Jan Blachowicz in the main event, UFC Fight Night in Rio Rancho, uh, New Mexico, this weekend. You two met back in 2015. You left with your hand raised. How much have both of you improved since then? He went on a bit of a losing streak, and now he's won six of seven. You're on a winning streak of your own. Uh, walk me through that. I mean, it's the fight game. If you continue to work in the gym and you put the time in, you're going to develop. Um, me, it's like I'm getting better and adding different things to my repertoire because... When I fought Jan, I was only in my second or third fight in the UFC. Second, if you don't call, count the ultimate fighter, or third, something like that, whatever it was. But only my fifth or sixth fight in my career. You know, he already had 30 fights at that time. So he's not going to pick up much more techniques or tricks or whatever. He's just going to sharpen up, you know. So in the five years, he sharpened up what he already did good and got a lot better at it. As for me, I got better at what I already did and added a lot more to it. So now I have more tools in the toolbox, but I'm also more confident and more sharp with what I already had. In the instance of a rematch, though, do you feel like it gives you an advantage knowing that you've beaten him before and gives him a disadvantage knowing that you've lost, that he's lost to you rather before? Well, it can go either way. You know, um, as for me, everybody I've lost to in wrestling, when I was a wrestler in college and high school, I always come back and I redeem those losses. You know, I was always more inferior to come back and dominate them. I want to come back and get payback. So it can go that way. Or you can be a guy with a mental case and just know you got beat so bad and just he already has your number. And you go out there, you kind of, once you get in that bad situation, you kind of give up. But like I said, it can go either, either way. I have a feeling Jan's coming with the mentality that he's got to take it to me to get the payback. 
you mentioned you were pretty raw back then and he had already been pretty experienced. Do you feel like because you had more upside at that point that you've gained a lot more skill than he has over that course of time? That's 100 percent. I mean, that's the reason why I've been 4-0 in the last two years. You know, I've beaten Glover Teixeira in dominant fashion on two-week notice with no training camp. I went out there and dominated Pat Cummins, who was a much better wrestler, supposedly on paper, in every aspect of the game. And then went out there and beat Alir Latifi, who also was a heavy veteran who had a lot of fights. You know, I'm learning over time. Before, I took my losses early. And you hear a lot of people put that over the head of Corey Anderson. Oh, Corey can't fight John. He can't beat Jones. He would never even get a title fight. He's been knocked out by OSP, Jimmy Manuel blah 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 like I think at that point I hadn't even had 10 fights underneath my belt yet so here we are now with this would be my 19th fight 18 19 fight whatever it is I'm a lot more I have a lot more experience and skill and confidence in myself um one of the old striking coaches at at our gym Nick Atones he came back for the first time like two years I hadn't seen him and he said, man, I don't know what happened, but you've changed. I said, I didn't change. I just gained more confidence. It's more time. I've been in the gym consistently every day, and now I have the confidence to let the things that I already knew go. You know, it's funny. I watched you on The Ultimate Fighter, and the skill was so apparent. When I was watching you, I, I thought to myself, um, this guy's going to be a title challenger one day. Um, and here you are. Is confidence what the issue was that took you so long to get here? No, it was the experience. You know, on the Ultimate Fighter, I literally had my third fight. If you watched my fight to get in the house with Kelly and Nuts, and I had my third fight probably a week, you know, a week before the tryouts. And then a month later, they moved us out to the fight. So my third fight ever, not pro or amateur. I didn't have any amateur fights. So my third fight ever, I went on to Ultimate Fighter. And you see, I was punching with my elbows bent like this. I was all in his face. I knew nothing about range. And then I didn't learn or take an actual kickboxing class until after I was knocked out by OSP. You know, so I never did a basic class. I never did a basic jujitsu class. I literally came from college wrestling. I tried to do some amateur fights. Nobody would fight me. And the coach, Duke Rufus, said, you just got to go. You just got to go pro and um, he's either going to sink or swim. And then we didn't get any fights there. Then I moved down to Illinois, like back to Illinois. I finally got a fight again. I just learned on the job. I just kept going from there. After you beat Johnny Walker back in November, you said it was title shot next or bust. What changed? I mean, it wasn't title shot next or bust. I said uh, I wanted title shot next, and I did kind of say a bust, but it was Dominic Reyes. They asked, what about Dominic Reyes? And I said, if Dominic Reyes gets the seat first, he's deserved it. He earned his stripes, and he did that. Um, and I could have sat out and waited for the next shot. But with that fight being as close as it was, if I would have just said I'll wait for the shot, they definitely probably would have just put the rematch up. Or if Jan would have took a fight against somebody else earlier and won, they would have gave it to him. So I just figured, you know what? I'm not going to dispute. I'm not going to say nothing. They say a name. We're going to sign a contract, and we're going to do it. And the first name that came across the table was Jan Blockowicz. So I was like, all right, whatever. I go out there and dominate. There's no more questions to who's going to get next or Corey has to do this or Corey's been ducking fights like Dana White likes to say. Back in July, you showed up at an event where John Jones was, and you said that you wanted to have a conversation with him. What did you look to? What were you looking to discuss that time? I didn't say I wanted to look to have a conversation. I said I wanted to let him know I'm here. I trained literally across the street from where the event was. I came there, I finished training, showered, walked across the street. Me and my teammates had just sparred, walked over there, and we hadn't even said anything to Jones. I talked to his manager. I knew one of his managers from Ultimate Fighter days, and uh, I was talking to him, and that's when Jones popped off and got all up in his feelings. He wanted to get all animosity about it, so then it became a deal. But literally, I was literally just going to stand and let him know I'm here from start to finish. This is my town. You come to my town, welcome home. I'm here.
I'd like you to stand up because you're wearing a shirt that I see that you're selling. It, it, I, want, I want the, the folks at home to see this thing. It says, there's levels to this. So when you made that shirt, was that uh, in reference to the Johnny Walker fight? A lot of people had Johnny Walker favored in that fight. And uh, yes. was that the message you're looking to send and the message you want to send this weekend? 100%. That's the message I said after when the camera panned out. If you listen, there was no mic on it, but if you listen hard enough, I was screaming, there's levels to this, there's levels. And I said it the whole fight camp. Everybody kept swearing Johnny Walker's going to knock Corey Anderson out. People in the media are. Everybody thinks you're going to get knocked out by Johnny. You can't compete with him. He's the threat. He's going to be the next champion. He's the one to challenge John Jones. And all I had to say was, I can show you better than I can tell you, but there's levels to this. You know? I had to take those bumps and bruises to realize there's levels to this. There was a time where I thought I was going to be the Johnny Walker. I remember my first day in New Jersey in training camp telling Mark Henry, yo, I'm here to beat John Jones. I'm ready to go. Let's go. And I remember Mark saying, calm down, man. It's a lot you got to go. It's going to take time. But one day you will. I can see it. And now that time has come. Six years later, here we are. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing you add some XP and leveling up this Saturday when you face Jan Bojovic in the main event. It's a UFC fight night in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, and it airs on TSN. Thanks for your time, Corey. Thank you. That was Corey Anderson, who will be facing Jan Bojovic in the main event of UFC Fight Night in Rio Rancho, New Mexico, this coming weekend. So, uh, Joe, let's recap our picks from last week. Uh, I had Dominic Reyes. You had John Jones, uh, Derek Lewis, and Mirsad Bektik in a yeah. Uh, so lost the so we both lost. Yeah. Yeah. So you have ninety-two dollars on the year. I have ninety dollars. So we're still All neck right. and neck. Not bad. So uh. Why don't you let me know what's on your mind? I'm going to be a little safer parlay this time. All right. Um, I'm going to go uh, Michelle Pereira. All right. To beat Diego Sanchez, and um, I'm going to I'm going to go. It's a, it's a minus two eighty, but I just his wrestling how awkward he is. Tim Means. Yeah. At minus two eighty. I don't know much about the guy he's facing. That's why I'm doing it. So let's. Uh... Let's go back. So you had means. I'm just going to tell you what the odds are so we can. It's uh, not going to be great. It'll be okay. It'll be more than even, I think. Well, yeah, it's plus 118. I'll take that. Keep it easy. Uh, and I'm, if, on this, I'm in uh, the same boat with you as uh, with Pereira. I've got yeah. him in my parlay. I think he's going to finish Sanchez. And I've got him parlayed with Montana De La Rosa. All right. And that's plus 152. I was thinking, um, I, was thinking I, I thought about Corey Anderson. I thought about Corey Anderson on mine. I was thinking of Daquan Townsend as a straight play at plus 285. I yeah, just he think that, fought, that line uh, was too who high. Who did he fight recently? He just fought Bavon Lewis. Yes, that's what it was. He's got yeah. a, a quick turnaround uh, against Devin Clark. Who's um, Ray Borg fighting, the Brazilian? Rogério Bonterin. This guy's really good, actually. Yes, 15-1. and one. Yeah. Bonterin, um is that the guy that... Uh, let, me, let me just look him up. I think he like got robbed in his last fight, if I recall. I was going to say with Borg, man, with his poor son, and you don't want to bet oh, against Oh, no, he, the he, he beat Rowley and Paiva in his last fight. And he beat uh, Magomed Babulatov. So he's beaten two really good opponents. Hmm. Um, so I, I wouldn't... Uh, yeah, I didn't want to touch that. Yeah. Plus, Borg is fighting at... Uh, oh, no, I guess Borg is back at flyweight and for Borg's this fight. Borg's a favorite. Is this a, a, is this a flyweight fight? Is Borg trying to make 125 again? Uh-huh. Ooh, that's not going to go well. And Borg's a minus 155 <laughs> favorite. There's my prediction. So that's there you not go. Do you want to well. change your pick? Uh... Maybe, maybe I do. You got to think. Borg's a minus 155 favorite. You know what? I'm going to take Bonterine. I'm, I'm going to take Bonterine. Huh? Helping you out. You well, bought, maybe. Let's you see. bought today's coffee, so that $2 I'm going to yeah, let's, gain? Let's do that. Let's, let's switch to Bonterine. You adding or are you, are you, you substituting the De La Rosa? Uh, no, I'm just going to substitute it because he's right. an underdog. Bonterine plus 135. All right. Boom. Cool. There you go. There you go. I like it. 
Yeah, Bontarine is uh, he's underrated, man. Right. And I think that Ray Borg is going to miss weight by a lot. So we'll All see. Right, I'm going to drop drop my parlay on no that. No disrespect to Ray Borg, but I mean, he he uh, didn't he miss 135 recently? Mm. He had like a family issue or something. But uh, well, we'll see how it goes. All right. So there you have it. Um, some good fights on this card. Uh, Nathaniel Wood versus John Dodson. I really am excited to watch. Yeah, it's uh, a it's a lot of it's a sneakily good card. Like mm-hmm. it's really good. Yeah, a lot of really close matchups. Like when you look at the odds and you see that a lot of the lines are like sub minus two hundred. Yeah, you know that those are going to be good fights. Actually, Rowley and Piva is on this card against Mark De La Rosa. He's he would have been a good parlay piece too. Oh well, let's 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 just walk away. That's walk it. away. You walk away from the it, ticket booth. In. Walk away. Final answer. Yeah. So let's did. go with that. And uh, we'll see how it But goes. even uh, Venata versus uh, Yancey Medeiros is a great fight. Yeah. Oh, that, for sure. That's got to be one of the more exciting on the card for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Venata versus Yancey Medeiros is going to be a good action fight for sure. And uh, then Tim Means is always action. Tim Means, yeah. It, it sucks because uh, he beat my buddy Ricky Rainey. Oh, that's, yeah. So Ricky's been him. training with you? Lately? Yeah, Ricky came by. He trained with us. Now he's, ta- now he's doing kickboxing. He's taking a kickboxing oh, fight. Yeah. Cool. Still training. Amazing guy. We really bonded well. And it's just... Uh, now I got a friend for life in Ricky Rainey. Is he going to be coming by more often? Yeah, absolutely. Back and forth? Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah. Now tell him to stop by the show. We will. We'll All right, cool. Get him. But yeah, Tim Means is tough. That's why I picked him. Tim Means is tough, and I know that's, how that's, tough Ricky Rainey is. Guy. And yeah, so that's my that's my pick. Macy Chase on a minus seven fifty favorite. That's pretty yeah. big. Pretty big. Big chalk. I don't know if I'm loving Jod Dodson's afro going on. Does he still have it? This UFC picture. He's got this huge. Uh, I don't know afro. if he still has it. He had it last time. I didn't like it. So uh, Macy Chason, actually, her team this past weekend, Fortis MMA, had three losses on the last card. Hmm. And last year, in 2019, they had four losses as a team oh. the, whole, the whole year. And they had three losses on just this one card. So she's going to have to uh, help them bounce back and get, yeah. get some, uh, some momentum back. Nico Montano's no joke, though. I mean, she's out. Nico's out. Oh, she's out? Yeah, she's facing a late, late notice opponent, Shanna Young. Oh. Nico had to pull out like last, late last week or something, or... Yeah, I think it was late last week. Or maybe it was early this week. Regardless, she's not fighting. There we go. That's that's what's happening. Unless something drastic happens, yeah. not fighting. Speaking of which, it was kind of weird that James Krause got to just weigh in whenever he wanted. Yeah? Yeah, it's just hope. Yeah, sure. sure. Texas. Let's do it. That's one thing. If you're going to complain about the judges, if you enjoyed that, that was the fight of the night. Krause versus uh, Giles. It got the fight of the night bonus. Did it? So the best fight of the night happened because of the incompetence of that commission. Where they that got like, fight of the night? Yeah. Really? Yeah. So because of that commission, the, the best fight on the card, according to at least Dana White, yeah. was because the commission was like, yeah, he can weigh in whatever. Sure. Or he's like, yeah, James saved the show. Here's 50 grand. Yeah, exactly. And he, he renegotiated a new contract. Like, he lost, which kind of sucks for him because he— like he should have won. He won. Yeah, he should, well, I don't know if he should have won. That well, was a close fight. I thought, I thought he that won. he lost two and three. Again, I'm, I'm also biased. He's a friend. I like mm-hmm. him. So I kind of watch with some— so don't take my well, answer. This is the I, thing. Th- I thought he won one and three. Yeah, the third the third round is what I came down to. Yeah, I, I just thought, thought he that, won uh, one and three. The problem is when he's getting hit by Giles, who's two weight classes bigger than him, or at least it one looks like class, it does more. It looks like he's getting hit by a car, which it does do more. But yeah, yeah. Giles told me he was about one ninety five to two hundred during the fight. I I just don't believe that. He yeah, looked way he looked bigger. Way bigger. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Again, he said he was, sorry. He said he was one ninety to one ninety five. That's not too big. But I think it's, that's was, small. Yeah, I think that he was. That means after weight cut, he only rehydrated. Yeah, like five ten. No, I don't think so. You made you minimum did ten pounds. Yeah. Everybody does ten pounds. Mm-hmm. Let's not Except get for James. James. Except James. Walks yeah. around. James had a big meal to get to one eighty three. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, but I bet you he still ate. I bet you he even went in at one eighty six, one eighty seven. Yeah, maybe. Probably, who knows? 
Yeah, you do what you can, but I don't think I don't think James Krause is the type of guy that thinks that weight matters that much. Yeah, he's a very smart, like he's a sharp, sharp guy. Yeah, talking about people who don't care about weight, Diego Sanchez. That's yeah. a guy who he started in the UFC at what one eighty five, one fifty five. When he was on the show. Oh, when he was on the show, 185. Yeah, 185. yeah then he went down to like 170, then, then 155. Then he went to 70, 155, he, then he even, even went to 145. Yeah. That's a guy, I think he's done more weight classes than anyone. Yeah, potentially. Outside maybe Rumble. I mean, four seems like a lot. Florian might have done four. Yes, I think Florian Did Florian do 170? Because Florian yes, was also 185 on that show. Didn't he fight BJ at 170? No, that was 155. Yeah. But, but I I'm guess pretty sure he did. I know for sure he did 170. He, he might have done 170 Florian. because I don't think they had 155 when he won the show. I'm pretty sure Florian did 170. Let's see, so he... he yeah, went to welter. He won the middle, or he got to the finals. He lost to Diego in the middleweight finale. It's funny they, those those guys fought each other in the finale yeah. of uh, Ultimate Fighter One. Fought at welterweight, fought at lightweight, and then fought at featherweight twice. Yeah. So yeah, four divisions, and he fought for the title in two divisions. So yeah. Yeah. good on him. I like Ken Flo. He's a nice guy. Me too. I don't, you think, see, I don't know if I've the, ever met him, but I used to work with his wife. Clark. Oh, cool. Clark Florian used to do, she was a ring girl with Lori, and then they hired her to do, like, backstage reporting. So we got to go on a few trips, and then they just, uh, she had the baby. So it was cool to, like, because I just started commentary, like, just started. So she'd be like, and this is when uh, Kenny was calling the UFC fights. Mm-hmm, yeah. So she's like, hey, do you want to talk to Kennedy? And uh, uh, Kenny on the phone's like, yeah, <laughs> sure. So it was cool for me to just sit there, and, and Kenny, for my first show, give me some advice and stuff like nice. that. Nice, that's so awesome. That very was, that's nice, cool very for sweet guy. That way. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, Clark's amazing too. They have a nice uh, child together now. So, did you cool. see the, the the bantamweight dude who looked exactly like Kenny Florian on the card? Were you watch, did you watch one? the whole card? I watched most of it. I don't know if it's I like picked the, it up. Might have been on like it. the second fight or something. Okay. Domingo Pilarte looks exactly like Kenny Florian. Okay, I haven't um, seen it. It was weird. It's weird watching it because he looks so much like him. Um, all right, so uh, you mentioned Diego Sanchez fighting all those weight classes. He uh, was kind enough to join us this week to uh, talk shop. And he's going to be facing Michelle Pereira in the co-main event. Of, Scary uh, fight, fight for him. It is. But if anyone you know, I think in his I, I think I offended durability, him. he'll do it. I think he I offended him during this interview because I said, like, is this... I, because of, like, Diego Sanchez being such a free fighter and, like, having this kind of mindset, like... And, and Pereira being kind of the same thing, whereas it's kind of like a flowing... I said, does this, is this a fight that really gets you out of bed? And he was like, I get out of bed for all my fights. And yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah. okay, well, sorry. He's, he's really I, intense. I wasn't, yeah. I wasn't trying to imply otherwise. I just thought yeah. that maybe this particular matchup was more exciting. Than, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, this is a huge test for him. You know, he's fighting a young, athletic, you know, wild man. So, but Yes, a wild man is correct. But it, his, he can do it with his wrestling. He's well-rounded. He can do it. So, I mean, this is his first camp outside of uh, Winklejohn, right? No, second camp. Second camp. Okay. The, the guy, his corner doesn't give him advice in between rounds. He, they just do breathing. Yeah. That's like part of his new... I guess they know what they want to do. Uh, he just does breathing. He does breathing exercises basically. you got to think Diego rounds. Sanchez is probably a master. He's probably... Yeah, he probably doesn't need He probably advice. has more experience than his coaches yeah, do, exactly. you know? Like, yeah, his coaches are there, but he's felt it. He's done it. He's training every day. He's living it. Mm-hmm. It's nice to get that outside perspective, but that's, a, that's, a, that's one of the... Probably the most experienced guy on the UFC roster. Yeah. Who else has he's fought more than he has? Yeah, he's the winner of the Ultimate Fighter one. There you go. And he's he's younger than the winner of the last Ultimate Fighter season, which I still think is amazing. Crazy. Yeah. How old is Sanchez, by the way? Sanchez, I think he's like thirty-eight or thirty-nine. He's not bad. Yeah, let me, not let me look, bad. Let me look. You got that Yoel up. still I think he's going born at 80, forty-three. Yeah, I think he's born in eighty-one. Let me see if I'm right. Yeah, he's born in eighty-one, December thirty-first, nineteen eighty-one. He's, your... he's actually nine days. He's like a week older than me. Let's see your trivia. Who's the oldest fighter to ever fight in the UFC? Probably Couture, if I had to guess. And how old was he? 45, probably? Uh, Randy Couture. Let's see. 
how old was Randy Couture when he had his last UFC fight? So he fought Machida. It was his last fight, I believe, yeah. And that was in 2011, April 30th, 2011. He was born in 63. So he would have been 47, I guess. Right. Yeah, 47. That's pretty old. It's good math, too. Yeah. It's impressive. Yeah, it's not bad. Not For a bad. guy who failed math twice in high school, there you go. not bad. You're doing your Sudoku puzzles in the morning. I know what you're I, doing. I can't do those. My wife really? is a master of Sudoku puzzles. Okay. She loves. I actually just bought her a book of logic puzzles recently. She likes the ones where there's like problem solving and yeah, you mark yeah. the boxes are, I don't with like the names. Too much. She loves those. Really? Yeah, those those really. I uh, suck at crosswords though. I'm those I'm good at. Suck at crosswords. Good at crosswords and, and word searches. I'm fantastic. At. Really? Yeah, word searches. I like but Sudoku's I can't do. I'm so bad at them. Really? Yeah, I don't know why. Try, learn. No? I've learned. I've done it before. Like okay. I, I can beat I can solve like the really the easy, easy puzzles, ones. but as it gets harder, I just get lost and I you run gotta out find of, run logic out of patience. patterns and yeah, I just can't I can't focus enough. That's yeah. my problem is I have a lot of That's why you got a t- morning routine. Six AM Sudoku puzzle yeah, reading. But, but I can't have a routine because the baby wakes up when she whenever she feels like it. You don't have the luxury of the baby passed her quiet. physio today. Hey. She was discharged from physio. There we go. Yeah. He's up and walking around and right. dancing and doing all kinds of fun stuff. All right. Yeah. What's what's the? Can you tell as a young, a young surf they're like better with catching or throwing or kicking? Yeah. Do you see the difference between the kids? Yeah, I think so. None of them are very sporty though. No. Like my oldest doesn't play any sports. Your really. wife an athlete? Um, the problem with my wife is that like she's she's like five seven, so she's like and she's thin, so she's got like an athletic build. Mm-hmm. But the thing that she had that was an issue for her when she was young is she hated losing. Mm. Like when she lost, she would just like it would like devastate her. Yeah, me too. And still uh, like that. But she was. But that didn't that didn't like make her more competitive. It like upset her. It kind of yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I don't like. And being my son's mad. the same way. My son doesn't like losing. Although I just whooped him at Street Fighter a bunch of times this yeah. week. Okay. Yeah, you can't he, let them win all the time. He, did, Come on. he got around on me. Okay. Because I was using, it was either like, he was using somebody, I was using ball rock. Are you good at it? Do you know what, Street how Fighter? to play? Oh, yeah. Okay. Street Fighter, I'm, uh, I'm legit. So, oh. Although so I've got to say. you're like very like humble and you're like nice yeah. of things, but your Street Fighter game must be good. I was at, I was in Vancouver with James Lynch and there was an arcade there and we went to the arcade and this like old guy came up and was just schooling us at Street Fighter yeah, yeah. too. Like, so you better good arcade, or can you play on a controller as well? Or are you the I can, old play, I can play on a controller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking of getting one of those like big those are arcade. arcade consoles. I yeah. was teaching my class yesterday, and I was talking about. I got mad at the class. I don't know. I I, I rant and I get angry with things, and uh, it was about I don't know. They were I don't know what the heck they were pissing me off about, but I just remember saying like about uh, you just have to keep going kind of thing. I, I I don't know what the rant was. I'm just going off, but yeah. That story went absolutely nowhere. And nowhere, nowhere. I was going to say it, and I was like, yeah, forget it. It's too long of a yeah. story. To so my, yeah, my, my son is not super sporty, is yeah. the moral. So he likes, loves like biking and stuff. Like He likes doing recreational stuff. Yeah. He's not a competitive yeah. kid. Because you got to have to have it. Like, okay, I'm going to just tell the story. I gave the, the, the class the rant. Of, like, sometimes amateur fighting is like button pushing. Like, when yeah. you play Street Fighter. Like, I said, when I play Street Fighter, I just sit there and I just yeah, I hit as many fast buttons again. That's what amateur fighting tends to be in kickboxing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was my whole speech. we got to yeah. button mash for these amateur fights. You want them to button mash. You have to. Because of the gear, you can't really knock someone out. So mm-hmm. then you end up having to rely so on your conditioning. Of, yeah. You kind of have to... Show I, I, your whole bag of tricks. Yeah, so you just got to go. Sometimes not about how good your low kick is. You got a shin pad. You got a be, you got a headgear. So you can't really. It's really hard to knock someone else. So sometimes it just comes to how fast you can keep hitting them in the push liver. Push that button. Yeah, every shot button has to be jam. the liver. Button jamming. <laughs> 
And he goes in your forearms are tired, your hands are sore. So that was my reference to. There you go, button mashing. I like it. Yeah, that's it. Sometimes you got a button mash. I got that heavy bag for the basement. Okay. And now uh, sometimes I'll leave the the gloves on the floor, and my my daughter will go walk over to them, pick them up, put them on, and start hitting the bag. All right. And like smiling at me. That's a good start. (laughs) Yeah. There's your fighter. Who knows? There's your fighter. Yeah, I I, I hope not. I hope not, too. (laughs) <laughs> keep her safe, keep her cute, yeah, exactly. keep her healthy. Yeah, let's keep her at 15 months for now and just uh, <laughs> yeah. just happy. And not, not put her into world title yeah, fights in 20 not, years? Not, not at, uh, yeah, definitely not now, but uh, 20 years, yeah, probably not. But if it's what she wants to do, I don't know. My wife, my wife will probably put the kibosh on it. I'll, I'll say if it's what uh, she wants to do, she can do what she wants, but yeah. my wife might not share that same mentality. She'll do it. She'll do what she wants like to do. Like Randa Marcos like, told her parents she was playing volleyball and was on the wrestling team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she just went and did it. You never know. You might not want her to have a boyfriend, but she's going to have it anyways. Nah, she can do what she wants in that exactly. regard. The thing is... and Not my daughter. The thing she's that, not allowed to. Well, Maybe thing, your daughter. This is the thing. To. The thing that men don't understand about having a daughter is that like, the more restrictions you put on dating and all that stuff, mm-hmm. like the worse it's going to be. Oh, for sure. You just got to take the shackles off and let them let find them their own them. way. Yeah. yeah. It sucks, though, sometimes to think... Yeah, some matter. some boy think, breaking your little daughter's heart. You think that she people. comes home crying yeah. to you. But that's the thing. People are like are more worried about their daughter having a broken heart than their son having a broken yeah. heart. Like there's, there's I'm, still... I'm more I'm more upset if my kid were to get bullied. You know, like that that's my yeah, biggest that thing. That would be that. the biggest hardest thing for me to deal with. My kid coming home upset, being bullied. Yeah. I don't care if they want to date boys, girls, whatever you want to do. Just I don't want them to be bullied. I was thinking uh, the other day. I was with my son, and he was like, uh, I was hitting the bag, and he goes. When I'm in high school, if someone bullies me, are you going to go and beat them up? And I go, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking in the back of my head, maybe I'll send Joe to Yeah, talk there you to go. Send, send <laughs> yeah. me. Yeah. I was like, I don't want to. I'm not going to mess with any man. high schooler. That is the worst, the bullying. My son hasn't had any real issues. I mean, every now and then he, my son's yeah. a very sensitive kid. So like, okay. if, if someone says something to him, it, like, it throws a, him. I'll give but, you a yeah. funny story. So my nephew, who's in grade six, they had to do a project on someone cool. I don't know, I want to say cool. I'm just adding that. But someone famous or someone that they know. So he did it on me about being a kickboxer. And he used one of my pictures. And he's the athlete. He's the hockey player. And even that, he used me probably thinking, oh, my uncle, you know, he's going to be so cool. People are going to think about, I know him. That's my mm-hmm. uncle, whatever, so-and-so. So what does he do? Like he had the picture of me like all ripped up and so what did the kid, all of his friends are making fun of him because, oh, your uncle's all greased up and they put oil on. I was like, ask them if any of their uncles look like that. I got, <laughs> yeah, exactly. more, I got more pissed off for him. Let's go to the school. Let's yeah. see. Get tell, their dads, their yeah. brothers, their uncles. Who yeah. looks like that? You yeah. know? Just get them to come in. Yeah. It'll be open challenge. So I got upset. Joe, Joe just throws yeah. down the gauntlet. Oh, I put the baby oil on. Ooh, sorry. So he's getting picked on because his uncle wore baby oil in his picture, you know? Did you? I had to. That's how you get the shiny abs. Of course you do. Okay, well, every know. UFC, every photo shoot, you got to put that oil on. The yeah. photographer has it right there. It's oh, mandatory. Really? I don't. Yeah. I've never seen him do that. I sit next to, to the. I sit next to the photographer yeah. for a lot of the events. Yeah, ask him about. But the usually baby they oil. come out after the fight. They probably don't need the baby oil after the fight. No, they? no, no. It's it's their pre-fight stuff. The pre-fight stuff. All okay. that free stuff. Because when you go to, you can't like the the lighting, the the shine. You have to put something on. Mm-hmm. So all of the guys have some sort of baby oil on. So the poor guy got. Uh, because of me and putting the baby oil, they had to make some comments. He should, get, he, sh- he should go and ask the teacher if he can do like a show and tell where you come in and you just come in and blast all these kids. Put That's them all it, on blast. Low kick them. I'll come in with yeah. no shirt on. Just yeah, like exactly. With baby oil. Out. Yeah. All oiled and tanned. <laughs> all right, uh, kids, line up. You're going to see uh, what a leg kick feels like. Yeah. So, yeah, kids these days. They even <laughs> pissed me off. I'm going to go in and hand that project in for them. All right, children, put up your hand if you'd like an inch <laughs> kick. Yeah, the one-inch <laughs> low kick.
liver kick too. No, he's like, not, you're kids not, are ruthless. Don't, don't get kids in the six, kids you're not kick sixth graders in the, in the liver. I'm demonstrating the kick. It's a body kick. It's a legal weapon in martial arts. I saw a video of uh, some guy holding pads for Francis and Gandhi this week. It was like a, probably like down. a flyweight or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. he went flying. Have you ever seen the videos where, uh, is it the Overeem, where the girl holds the pad? The young girl holds uh, a low kick pad for Overeem, and he kicks her, and she kind of like does like this big flip. I saw the one where the, there was a dude who wasn't it Overeem though. There was a dude who An wanted to get school. there was a dude who wanted to get kicked by Verdum and Verdum kicked him. And then there was that same dude got thrown by Ronda Rousey. I think he got injured both times. There was some kid, but there's a there was a young girl holding a low kick pad, and I want to say it's from Maybe Overeem. It's Overeem. Yeah, and she flies from the kick. Mm-hmm. It's fun. I think she was laughing. It's cool, but I remember after Overeem knocked out Brock Lesnar with that body kick. I said to the people with me, I go, how much money would it take for them for you to take one of those body kicks? And mm-hmm. I was like, I, I don't think there's an amount. Like, I don't think that there's an amount of money to take that. That was like 265-pound Overeem. Can you block it or no? You have to just take it on the Yeah, you just have to take it. Yeah. You would take it. Yeah. For for money. (laughs) But I mean. No, but like, I I would know how to brace myself for it. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you're fighting and it hits my liver, I don't care if you're a lightweight or a heavyweight, I'm still going to go down. Mm -hmm. But if I could, yeah, I would take it. It would probably hurt. Yeah. I had a conversation with Okamoto last week uh, about how much it would cost for somebody to give you a paper cut between your fingers, like in the Jackass movie, that's the worst. Yeah, that, that would be the worst. That would c- or the paper cut on the on the on, lip. on the lip yeah. on the side. I watched there. that first movie. Ah, I'm that was the only that. thing that I couldn't watch was the paper cut. The paper cut in between no. the fingers. I can't even like pretend because I used to do it as a kid to put a piece of paper to even touch in between my yeah. fingers. I'll freak out. Yeah. No, that is because you nailed it. The you know worst. Your, you know your brain can't like paper. The, the reason why paper cuts hurt so much is your brain won't send like the dopamine needed. To like make it to not help hurt because it, so superficial. It's so small, yeah, yeah. I don't like it because he was asking me. I had a bandage on one of these fingers, and it was like I guess I cut myself with a box or something, and then that's how it became the conversation yeah. about that movie. The between the fingers, no, that's the worst. Yeah, ah, <laughs> that's just nasty. But that's the one that got me the most too. Yeah, I As can't watch. Kid, I can't that watch. Is the worst. <laughs> one. And it's funny they're all doing like crazy things, like yeah. jumping off of high places okay and whatever, getting hit. Do not getting put hit that in the paper jewels. near my fingers. Yeah. No, you're right. That is the worst one. <laughs> I'm glad hands you agree. Down, hands down, the worst one. <laughs> right. I would never be able to do that. Well, you mentioned your ah. friend uh, James Krause, and uh, he was nice enough to join me this week. Uh, we discussed, yeah, I mean the score, the scorecard in question, and yeah. uh, and a lot of other things from the uh, the past week. And uh, he joins us now on the TSN MMA show. Driving through the streets of Kansas City, Missouri, we've got James Krause joining us. So James, you accept the fight on hours' notice, up a weight class, and you're one of the smaller welterweights. So the first thing I was thinking was, how did the phone conversation with your wife go? Oh, she don't, she doesn't care. She's a, she's got like a blind, a blind faith in me. If I say I'm jumping off a cliff, she'd be like, okay, well, have fun, love you. (laughs) That's all it was? She was just like, okay, cool. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, there was there wasn't really much of a conversation about it. It was just like I, I told her, I said, "Hey, I'm thinking about taking a five fight at middleweight tomorrow." She goes, "She's like, oh my god, are you serious?" I was like, "Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah." She goes, "Oh, well, you know, we talked about the contract and all that stuff." She's like, "Awesome, that sounds great." Blah blah blah. You know, it was never like any hesitant uh, or anything like that on her. So you were one bad scorecard away from winning this fight. Joe Solis, one of the judges, he scored the first round. Oh, yeah. You're in a dominant position for much of the round. Your opponent admitted to me after the fight that he almost tapped. Uh, you know, unless you had mace sprayed in your eyes before the first round, I don't know how you can have that scorecard. But uh, how disheartening is it for you to fight under these circumstances? Oh, man. Like, I was, you know, I don't feel like uh, it's crazy to me because, like, the – 
the odds were stacked so much against me to begin with, you know what I mean? Like with, with you know, being middleweight, 18 hours notice, uh, just all that. And then I feel like I win. And it's like, I, you know, like you said, I'm one scorecard away from, uh, you know, it wasn't even, I'm not even upset that I lost the fight because the fight was close. You know what I mean? It's just a, I don't understand how anybody can give him the, the first round. I just don't, I just don't get it. So, uh, it's frustrating. It's definitely frustrating. Uh, definitely frustrating. I don't, you know, I don't really know what else to say about it. Uh, I'm, it's kind of beating a dead horse at this point, but uh, it's very, very frustrating, very disheartening. You know, it's out of my control, so I'm trying not to put a ton of energy into it. Your manager, Jason House, he's appealing Jonathan Martinez's loss to Andre Ewell. Same judge gave Ewell, uh, same judge that gave Giles the first round, gave Ewell a 30-27 scorecard. Was there any consideration in appealing your loss or anything along those lines, sending a, a letter to the commission at the very least? Man, I, I think they are. Uh, I think they're appealing it, which I, I think is ridiculous. I told them not to, you know, the, but I think he, I think they're doing it. It's not, um, it's not from, not from my end, you know, I, I don't. It's not something that I, I want to do or I want to pursue. I know nothing will happen with it, but uh, yeah, that's it's something they're they're looking to do for sure. You've become some, something of a folk hero for accepting this fight. Uh, you know, the opportunity was presented to you. Uh, what was the process like in deciding to take the fight? Was it just like, yeah, I'll do it? I, I know that there was some contract talks involved as well. No, I reached out to them. You know, I heard uh, Royal was out, and I said, I'll, you know, I was at lunch, and I was like, I'll take that fight. I didn't think anything well of it, and you know, sure enough, uh, it it you know they, it, it worked through, and we got it. You know. Now the Texas Commission—they're getting flack for a lot of things this past weekend. But do you feel like most other commissions would have allowed you to take that fight? I mean, you weighed in after the weigh-in window, um, but you do get to take the fight, and I think that the commission probably has something to do with it. Yeah, you know, I'm not sure. I, I know they pulled some strings or whatever. I really don't. I really don't know. It's not really up to me. I didn't really pay much mind to it. I knew my all my physicals and stuff. My all my medicals were up to date, so I knew that wasn't any issue. But uh, I'm sure they. I'm sure they made some, uh, you know, adjustments to to make way for me or whatever. But you know, I don't know. I, I really wasn't concerned with that. I guess it wasn't. It wasn't something that I was crossing my mind to be honest with you. Was this specific opponent uh, enticing for you? You coached Zach Cummings back in May uh, in Rochester. And did you feel like you kind of had the playbook for how to beat this guy? I mean, I feel like I've been fighting this guy the last couple times. Big dude. You know, to me, it was very similar to Warley Alves, who I fought a couple years ago. Uh, that was kind of the game plan we went in uh, fighting. And Trevin, Trevin's got fast hands. He's athletic. hits hard. Uh, you know that we went in with a similar game plan. It's not like you, you can't really put together a specific game plan on 18 hours notice. So you kind of just have to pick somebody similar and rock with that. So that was kind of the idea that we had was was to keep you know the the same game plans we had against Worley. And uh, I felt like I was executing fairly well. You know what I mean? Like obviously I was tired, but uh, I, I feel like I won the fight, man. I really do. When Giles was landing strikes on you, it looked like those shots had a pretty major impact. Uh, how big of a difference was it being in there with somebody at that weight class? Yeah, it makes a difference. Obviously, it's 15 more pounds behind the punch. You know, every punch he hit me with moved me. He never really hurt me, but uh, I definitely could feel, you know, I could feel the power difference for sure. And finally, a press release came out today from the Kansas State Commission. Uh, they're saying that they're going to do open scoring, uh, at least give the options of open scoring in MMA, and Invicta is going to be implementing it in the future. But in your situation, if you saw that a judge had given Giles the first round after round one, would that have really thrown you for a loop between rounds? God, yeah, hell yeah, it would have. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. Golly, I don't know what else to do, man. You know what I mean? Like, I don't. I don't know. That was about as definitive of a 10-9 round as you get. I don't know how else to win that round other than finish him. You know, like that's. 
I came close to finishing him three or four times, so I'm just not sure. You know, I'm not sure what else to do, man. So with open scoring, though, do you like open scoring? Do you like that concept, or do you think that that can be detrimental to the fighters, and also, do I think, to the live crowd? If you're not going to change the rules, if you're not going to change the rules on how it's scored, at least tell me if I'm winning or losing. Yeah, I agree with that. I think that the scoring system, it's a boxing scoring system put into a three-round sport. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Do you have any ideas on how you would change the scoring criteria? Yeah, I would score the fight as a whole, uh, similar to how Pride used to do it. You know what I mean? Like, you, you can score the fight as a whole. I know that, 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 leaves, for, uh, that leaves for some, or, or, or make the, the, the actual point system different, you know, where there's more 10-10s or 9-9s or, you know, or whatever. But you, you can't. It's just ridiculous, man. Like, we're, we're going off of a system that's from a damn different sport. Ping pong and tennis don't have the same rules. And there's a reason for that because they're two different sports. They look very similar, but they're not. So it's, uh, it's, kind, of the same, it's kind of the same thing, you know. Uh, we're going off of a, a judging criteria that's not even used for our sport. And uh, it's just outdated, you know. It's outdated. And uh, the problem is, is there's no there's – no defi- it's, all, it's all user discretion. You know what I mean? Like, so this guy – this guy makes a, a shit call, not even on my fight. Take my fight out of it. He makes a shit call on somebody else's, and, you know, he's able to call more. He's able to get the same paycheck that he was going to get, and he's able to, you know, do it again next weekend. It's, it's, you know what I mean? It, there's no consequence. There's no, there's no prerequisite. There's no continuous learning. There's no, there's no penalty for him. Why, you know, why would they change anything? Why would he want to be better at what he's doing? Yeah, I agree with that, James. That, that is unfortunate. He messed up many times uh, over the course of the event. Uh, thanks for your time. He's a black belt. Uh, He's a Brazilian black belt and scored that round against me. I, that, you know what I mean? Like, what's ridiculous? <laughs> yeah, he has good credentials. That was the thing that shocked me about it. He's not some regional boxing judge who's slipping into MMA. He's, a, he's an, an MMA instructor with black belts not only in jiu-jitsu but other different uh, martial arts dialects. So that's the thing that really that's blew me uh, off my feet. Yeah, it is brutal. Well, James, thanks again for doing this. Appreciate it. And uh, safe travels on the drive through lovely Kansas City, Missouri. Appreciate it. That was James Krause on the TSN MMA show. And I looked at my files here because Joe and I record these as separate segments. I pass the interviews through and I go, we're short a segment. Did I not record it? And I said, did I throw to Diego Sanchez? And we, we went back and listened. I threw to Diego Sanchez, yeah. but we then we ended up getting sidetracked and started telling we started stories. started ranting. Yeah. Yeah. So That's maybe good. we'll, yeah, let's throw to Diego Sanchez now I then. So. How's that sound? Let's do it. Is Diego ready? Is he on the line? He's on the line, says the producer. <laughs> All right, here's Diego Sanchez on the TSN MMA show. I'm joined now by the nightmare, Diego Sanchez. First off, Diego, what did you think of your former teammate, John Jones, over the weekend, his performance against Dominic Reyes? How did you score that fight? I scored it rounds one, two, three, Dominic Reyes. Unfortunately, I think Dominic probably... Uh, Knew won those first three rounds. I had the fight in the bat and took a little, little foot off the gas, coasted a little bit to the second and the third. And uh, it is what it is. You know, they gave they gave the decision to Jones. But uh, take my hat off to Dominic Reyes. What an amazing fight! And uh, it's just it's 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 sad when when. When a judge can be so incompetent and give it, you know, I don't know what it was. I think it was like 46 to 40 or something, something wild. There was one judge that was just like 49, 46, 49, 46. Yeah. I was like, I was like, were you watching the fight? Like, really? Like, it's it is what it is. I hope Texas gets their shit together. Do you still have any sort of relationship with John Jones or or with uh, Greg Jackson, Mike Winkle, John? Are you still in touch with any of them? 
Absolutely not. Yeah, no, no, absolutely not. Was there a bad falling out of some sort, or? Yeah, yeah, man, you must not have heard everything, uh, but, you know, now is the time to focus on Michelle Piera, and if you want to know anything about that, and my falling out with John Jones and 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 Mike Winklejohn and, and Jackson Wink, you can go online and look it all up. There's 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 just look up Diego Sanchez, John Jones, da da da. It's all online. I'm I'm not going to energize that right now because my mind is focused on Michelle Pieta and this weekend's fight. All right, that's fair enough, and I enjoy doing research, so I'll go do that. Uh, watching tape on Michelle Pajeja, this must get you very amped up for this fight. You know, when this was first announced, I thought to myself, this is the sort of matchup that you, you must really get you out of bed. You know, um, every fight gets me out of bed. The opportunity to do what I love and be this fighter that has a destiny that has fans and followers and people that are witnessing my transformation, not only as a fighter inside the cage, but as a man and as a human being outside the cage. This is what I'm fighting for. I am fighting for my platform. I am fighting for this. I have the eyes on me and I'm gonna use it for something positive, light and love in the universe. And so, so with this, every fight gets me up, man. I'm up. I just, um, you know, I was, I was up for the Michael Chiesa fight, you know, just the circumstances of, of, of doing the Hall of Fame ceremony the night before the fight and, and just, just everything. It, it, and down to, to me, just not pulling the trigger at the right time. It, it didn't go my way, but it's all right. I, I didn't get knocked out. I didn't get cut, I didn't get hurt. And um, I learned a valuable lesson of experience inside the octagon and inside the locker room. And so with that being said, no, I'm, I'm excited for every fight. Um, Michel Piera is just a young man and um, he's going through the learning and trial and error process. He's hungry to make a name for himself and be something in this organization. And it's, if you need to go throw backflips and you need to flex hard to show how ripped you are to, to, to do that, that's him, he's doing him. And, and I'm fine with him doing him. I'm doing me. I'm fighting for a lot different reasons than him. Um, it's, it's, it's a big difference here. I'm walking into the cage. Right now, I just, just stepped on the scale. And I was 171. I, I had already drank some water. Um, I woke up. I, I, I floated a bunch of weight last night. I was 170 when I woke up. Like... My like, I, I really, truly am am the David in the Goliath division, and you know I am the true guy that is trying to change the sport for the next generation, so that these young athletes will have a longer a longer longevity, so that these younger athletes will be healthier, and this is something that is is very real and very very true to me.
Speaking of grooming young athletes, tell me about the School of Self-Awareness and how it's helping younger kids. I see videos of you helping uh, youth all the time and sending them a very positive message. So uh, walk me through that. It's, it seems like a very uh, good initiative. Yes, it is a it is a very good initiative. And we work with the kids. We work with everybody, anybody that's willing to help themselves. And, um, you know, you have to you have to first want to help yourself if you want to be helped and you want to help others. And this is what School of Self-Awareness is about and about becoming aware to everything, everything. And this is the, the huge shift that you've seen within me within the past year is just me becoming more aware, light being brought to things that were not right. You know, this is like me leaving Jackson Wink. There was things that were ha was happening over there that was not right. And me being in the light, I had to I had to get out of that darkness. I had to get away from from the deceit, from the lies. I had to and in, in turn, me not bringing to light and speaking the truth. If I'm not going to say what's wrong, then I'm part of what's wrong. And so, you know, um, like I told you, man, you can look it up. It's it, it, it honestly is really, really sad that um, I could open the doors for UFC, for Greg Jackson, Mike Winklejohn, for them to establish this business and and do so well with it. And just forget, forget and not give the time, the energy and any real love to the man who started this for them. I rewatched your last fight. I noticed much of the time between rounds is focused on breathing with less specific instruction. Why is that something that works for you in particular? Why, why is that approach helpful for you? Well, in School of Self-Awareness, the first step to, to this method is to learn how to breathe because if you don't realize you never really were taught to breathe they don't teach you in school and your mama and daddy didn't definitely didn't teach you so how do you know that you're breathing right how do you know that you're correctly breathing and 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 putting this stuff you call oxygen you call air i call spirit into your being your body it is it is something very important that will you know will change the quality of life you know and second step is to relearn how to move correctly once you learn how to breathe correctly then you learn how to move correctly then you start to train the body for whatever you need to train the body for and finally, while I'm sure it's not as uh, impactful as Zhang Veli doing so, I'd like to applaud you for calling out those who have been making jokes about the coronavirus, using it uh, in the context of other tragedies, as you mentioned. It's pretty shocking to see people trivialize other people's lives based on geography. So uh, I just want to thank you for doing that and pointing that out, because uh, I think that that is, uh, you know, really tasteless. Yeah, I, I truly, I truly was heartbroken. I was truly heartbroken when I scrolled on my Instagram and I seen a good friend of mine, well, not so much a good, good, good friend, but an acquaintance that I respect, 
post this video of the the juiced out guy just and and just talking crap, man, making fun of making fun of of this coronavirus. And I'm like, I'm like, seriously, people, you got that, you got enough time in your 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 little wasteful life. You got enough time to go out of your way to take 30, 40 minutes to process and, and to to produce this this video, this content of you cracking a joke on something about where where people are are sick, where people are hurting, where they're in pain, where they where, where their people are dying, where little children are losing their parents and they're just they don't have nowhere nowhere no no one to help and protect them. Like this is this is a a serious problem and it just to me I I, I felt compelled to let people know that this is wrong. Anybody that is involved with this type of behavior, you are wrong. You need to wake up and act like a human being and and stop being a joker that you are because there's nothing a joke or to joke about. And uh, karma's a real thing, man, and you you do shit like that and when 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 the when the the American version comes you you gonna be the one that's gonna be sick. You gonna be the one that, oh man, I should have never done that joke. Cause, like, it's it's just it's nothing to joke about. It's nothing to do for views or for likes. And and I I, I was truly saddened by it. And um, I I send my 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 condolences to all of the people in China who are still suffering, who are in the process of recovering, and. To all the people out there that are saying, oh, these people were fools. They were eating bats and this and that. You know what? You know, shut the fuck up. Like, they they were eating what they had. You know? Like, like it's not everybody has these options that we have here in America. And people need to realize and recognize. And this is nothing to joke about. All the Chinese people out there. I send my love, I send my prayers, and I hope that you guys all make it out of this terrible, terrible disease, and that there is a, a cure, and that this can be 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 amended and fixed. Well, Diego, thank you for spreading the awareness about that. I, I really do appreciate it uh, for what it's worth. And uh, best of luck to you on Saturday when you compete against Michelle Pajeja, and I appreciate your time. Thank you. I appreciate you too. Have a good day. That was the Nightmare Diego Sanchez on the TSN MMA show. This is a fun show, Joe. I, yeah, it's good. It's always good when there's controversy because it gets like things it. to discuss. Yeah, usually we agree on a lot of things. I know you don't like open scoring. I like it, but that's what the beautiful thing no of the sport open is. Well, I, watch gotta, kickboxing throw, and see uh, if you like it. I've got to throw my, uh, my friend Danny Shapiro under the bus, by the way. Okay. Because uh, I was um, talking about the Kansas Commission. And I mentioned that Invicta is going to have open scoring because the Kansas Commission is now going to allow promotions to do mm-hmm. open scoring in MMA. And Invicta said they're going to try it. And uh, I said, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. And he responded to me. He goes, are you being like the president and you don't know where Kansas City is, that it's in Missouri and not Kansas? And I, I, I was like, I responded to him. I go, there's a Kansas City in Kansas. They're seven minutes away. And that's where Invicta does their show. They do it in Kansas City, Kansas, not Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah. So, Danny, don't doubt, don't doubt my, my U.S. geography. Yeah. Might be Canadian, yeah. but don't doubt 
the Bronsteader. Yeah, this guy doesn't know where Moose Jaw Saskatchewan is. Yeah. Why is he picking on me? He probably thinks we Come still on, have states. Yeah. And we have a president. They so, don't know. So there you go. Dan Shapiro getting thrown under the bus. There you go. I hope he listens to this. In fact, I'm going to tell him to listen to it. Yeah. Don't know him, but maybe I met him. His name sounds familiar. Yeah, he's, he's a good dude. He uh, actually lived in China for some time and covered like kickboxing in uh, China. The and name stuff sounds like that. very familiar. Yeah. So he's uh, he actually is able to like speak with uh, Zhang Veili because he knows uh, how to speak Mandarin. So he's a talented dude. So I can't give him a low kick. He probably knows how to block it then. Dan, yeah, maybe. So no low kicks. No for low Dan. kicks for him. You're, Sorry, you're locked Dad. out, Dan. <laughs> All right. So uh, Rio Rancho and uh, what's going on with you and Glory? When's the next Glory? Um, I got a busy week coming up next week. I have my second Bazooka Invitational show. So, which is going to be fun. That's on for next Friday, the 21st. And then I'm off to Utrecht, the Netherlands. All right. We're back to Holland again. And that's going to be your boy Petch in the main event. Hey, who's Petch fighting? Uh, Sir Hey Adam Chuck. Oh, that's going to be a fun one. Very technical. This is a rematch, right? They yeah. fought before? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Petch, Petch is doing good. Again, just got to stay out of that clinch. Keep working his boxing. Let those kicks fly. But, yeah, we got some stacked cards. Remember, we took two months off. So, now the big boys are coming out. Uh, we have three shows coming up. We got, let's see if I remember quickly. So I, I have, hate these shows because they take you from me. I can't. Yeah, do there you go. With you. I can't even remember. So I have uh, the first show. We have Utrecht, the Netherlands, the twenty eighth of February. Then next month, March twenty eighth, we have Antwerp, Belgium. Then two weeks after that, I believe I don't think it's announced, but shh, <laughs> it's going to be there's going to be a card, a card, and it's possibly in Dusseldorf, Germany. Maybe not okay. sure yet. All right, maybe, maybe. Won't hold my breath on that one. Maybe, maybe I'm not sure. So when know. is when's the next one? Is not next week, is it? Uh, I leave Tuesday. Oh, so it is next weekend. Not, I don't leave this Tuesday. The following Tuesday. Okay, so it's not competing with the Fury fight. Uh, when is the Fury fight? Next weekend. Okay, so that's the twenty. Yeah, Fury Wilder's the twenty second. Yeah. yeah. So my show's the twenty first. Twenty second, Wilder Fury. I leave. For oh, your show's on the, Tuesday. Your show's the twenty first. So yeah. you leave this coming Tuesday then. I leave the twenty fourth. Am I getting this all February wrong? February 24th. Actually, sorry. So next weekend is... Yeah, this weekend's the... What? You leave the 24th. Okay, the that 15th. makes sense then. This weekend's okay. the 15th. Yeah. So the, the following 22nd, weekend's the 22nd. Yeah. That's when Wilder Fury is. Yeah, my show's the 21st, and then I leave for Holland the Tuesday. I feel like we're doing a who's on first routine here. We're That's just, it. We're talking in circles. I don't know. This must be be- very boring uh, radio for everybody. Or very good. Yeah, or maybe. very good. You might, might find it entertaining. All right, uh, Joe, we'll see you next week. See and uh, we'll recap UFC Fight Night in Rio Rancho, New Mexico. Thanks for listening to the TSN MMA show. For all the latest UFC news, visit tsn.ca slash UFC.